It is great to be back. And so um, for those who don't know Jody and I, it's a pleasure, man. We love coming to Rochester. Come on, give it up for this town. Why? Well, because of this church and because of a certain couple, um, we just are so grateful for your pastor and his wife. And, um, you know, Steve and I have been friends for over, uh, boy, it's over 15 years now. And um, I actually first met Steve through his sister, Cheryl. She was in the first service, and uh, I didn't get a chance to say this, but uh, she started coming to our church. I started a church in the western suburbs of Chicago, and uh, she was one of the first ones that came and started helping all that stuff. And then not long after, Steve visited a few times. Next thing I know, he moved to Chicagoland area and um, got on our staff and got into ministry. And I don't know if you know all the connection there, but man, Steve and Kim are gold. Do you know that? They are gold. Yeah, let's praise God for them. And uh, so we had the privilege, the reason we have a special connection, you may not feel it, but I'm feeling it. Do you feel anything? I'm not feeling like you're feeling it like I'm feeling it. Are you guys, or this guy is right here, you're feeling it, I I can tell. But we have a special connection because we sent Steve out. And we're so grateful for what God's doing. I mean, what he's doing in this area, in this city, through this church, it's just, man, it's good stuff. So if you're new or newer, You've connected to a great place where God's word is preached, God's people are loved, and community is sought after. So we're just really thankful to be here. Jody and I are uh, visiting with you this weekend, and it's, uh, it's been really, really good. So we're grateful to be with you. Why don't I start with this? I was thinking about companies, and I want to start by just sharing with you some unique benefits of some specific companies. So we'll put up some uh, images on the screen. We'll start with this. The first one is Netflix. Any Netflix watchers? Yeah, don't admit it. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's something, turn it off now if you have it on. So you got it on your mobile device, you know. But um, Netflix, for us, listen, I, multiple subscribers. Like, I can never get on because my kids are on. And they're all over the country. They're on. I get locked out of Netflix. Any parent having that problem? It's a little bit of a problem. But... If you're an employee at Netflix, it's a California-based company, and what they have, check this out, they have no office hours that you have to be at. You don't have to come in at any specific time. Your vacation days are not tracked. Come and go as you please. Do whatever you want. How many people want to work for a place like that? I'm telling you, I'm not sure how that management structure is, but that's what I want to work. Facebook. I know all of us are familiar, and on Facebook, some of us way, way too much. Those aren't real friends. Believe me, they're not. They're made up. But if you're having a child, Facebook does something interesting. Whether it's a mother or a father, they do this. You get four months of what they call parental leave. Four months. Yeah, I heard an amen over here. She's like, yeah, I don't know if you're planning on getting pregnant. What the deal is? But for, I mean, that is huge. Then they have what they call baby dollars. They give up to $4,000 for every family that is having a child. I mean, what, a, what an unbelievable benefit to its employees. Next company is this. I know um, you're familiar with them. Starbucks. What Starbucks do? Well, if you don't have a college education, maybe you didn't finish college, They'll send you to get your bachelor's degree. You can go online for free, Arizona State University. So you can get your education fulfilled. That's one of the fringe benefits of working for that company. I know this one is popular here, Pantagonia, right? No? 
Anybody? Anybody bought some stuff on? It's like, hey, it's all warm. It's good this time of year. Patagonia, what do they do? Well, their California office, I know you can't identify that as much with this here in Minnesota, in the Rochester area, but this is what they do for their employees. After lunch, you can leave at any time for an hour, two hours, and guess what you get to go do? Surf. I told you that was going to identify with anybody here. You're like, surfing? What? Um, you know, snowmobiling, you know, skiing. But they let you leave the office and they encourage people to go surfing in the afternoon. I don't know about you, but I want to work there. That sounds like a good thing. But then Google, this is the one that blew me away. Just familiar companies with interesting benefits for their employees. If, if, if your spouse dies, the surviving spouse gets 50% of the salary for 10 years. Think about that for a moment. I mean, that is a huge benefit. I mean, 50% of the salary for the next 10 years. Certainly, there's some things that some corporations are doing that are pretty crazy and pretty wild. But why did I say all that? Set all that to simply say this. What are the benefits of partnering together, of friendship, of being together in Christian community. That's what I want to talk to you about. The benefits are out of this world, so to speak, and sometimes we neglect them, sometimes we don't understand them. So go ahead and do this. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And I've got a message, it's entitled this, it's entitled The Ties That Bind. And I know I'm so privileged that so grateful that these guys, you know, they're giving away, it says marriage on your notes. Go ahead. I'm going to talk about relationships. So I'm not just going to talk about marriage, although we've got a free book for you, uh, a book that Jody and I wrote as you, as you exit. I don't want to just talk with you about marriage. What we want to do is I want to talk with you about relationships. And what I want to do is I want to just answer this specific question about relationships. Why do we need each other? Why exactly do we need each other? Why do all the pastors, all the churches, they all stand up, they all want this community? What's the big deal? And whether you're enjoying it, not enjoying it, whether you've been turned off by it because somebody has let you down, I'm going to give you the benefits, the divine benefits, divine perks, so to speak, of being together. Now, this message can be replied to, uh, applied to any relationship. It can certainly be a husband and a wife. It can be this, a brother and a sister in the family. It could be a son or a daughter. It can be your neighbors. It can be relationships in and outside the church. It can even be relationships in the workplace. These are the principles. This passage was written for what? For relationships, why we need each other. Let me kind of give you a, a, a little heads up for the end. I'm also going to give you this. It's at the end of this passage that I'm going to, we're going to study together. It's the secret sauce, so to speak, or maybe better well said, the secret ingredient is listed in this passage. The thing that holds all relationships together, the thing that is responsible for all relational health and wholeness. You probably may know what I'm talking about already, but it's right here. I want to show it to you at the end. Spoiler alert, it's coming but this is the thing that makes all relationships and holds them together in wholeness and wellness. Before we do that, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for the gift of being able to be here 
uh, at this church. You're doing so much, and we pray your blessing, your continued blessing on this body of Christ and this local church family. And Father, our hearts, we're just grateful for the opportunity we have to worship. Thank you, Lord, that we encountered you in our worship today. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to open up your word. The scripture says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of the Lord. Would you, Father, help me to share your truths in a way where you would encourage us, strengthen us, and grow us closer in our relationship with you. And I pray specifically, Lord, for Pastor Steve as he's on his way back um, with the high school kids from uh, the conference they were at. May you protect them. Lord, may you continue to protect this body of believers. May we not be discouraged. May we be encouraged by what you're doing, by who you are. Meet with us now through your word. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen. Let's begin with this thought. If you're a note taker, go ahead and write this down. We are united in relationship to get the most out of life. So we are united in relationship to get the most out of life. Take a look with me at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. It says, two are better than one. This was written, why? Well, why is it that two are better than one? Gives it the answer at the end of the verse because my version says they have a good reward for their toil. Some versions say they have a good return for their labor. Hey, two are better than one. Let me show you a picture of my car. We drove up from Chicago yesterday and we stayed in La Crosse. And so I got out. Anybody ever had this situation happen? And you get out and all of a sudden you plow the drive and you know what? The snow plow comes. Anybody identifying with me right now? And it's like you're ready to go and look at the picture of the snow mountain behind that vehicle. Now that's not my car from this morning. I can't even fit in a car that size, okay? But we've all had that happen. Now let me ask this ridiculous question of which we all will say, I know the answer, this is so foolish, but this is what the verse is saying. How many would rather dig that car out by yourself or have some good friends, family members, maybe a son or daughter as you have your coffee and you know, your second cup and just look out the window and say, no, clean that off. How many people would want some help to do that? Anybody with me? Well, of course we would. None of us would want to do that. Now let me show you another picture. This is of my childhood, and this is me. I lived in what's called the snow belt in northeastern Ohio. Snow belt meaning the drifting snow off of Lake Erie. Yes, that is me, and I'm six foot five, so that um, you can see it's coming up to about, I don't know, about here, midsection, and some of you would be covered in that snow right there, but my parents, I'm still hurting from this, and yes, that, those are plaid pants. And yes, that was in style back then, but I'm still hurting for this. I, I just showed this picture to say, like, you know, I, I need counseling for that. My parents said, nobody's helping me. Hey, get out, Ronnie, go do this. Ron, don't ever call me Ronnie either, please. But it's like, go shovel the snow. I mean, it's just like, you know, I didn't get no help, but all of us, isn't it true? When we have a job done, we can remove that picture now. <laughs> when we have a job whether it's a simple job, whether it's a complex job, that we want to think it through. It's always easier, better to have help. A team is what we want. That's what the scripture is saying. We can do what? We're united in relationship to get the most out of life. And so whether it's a friendship or a BFF or whatever it is that you're helping and helping each other to encourage and to grow. This past summer, we did, uh, you know, we did, we were here last year and we did a Not Conference for You, which is our marriage uh, series. It's a conference that we do all over the country. And so uh, Jody and I were joking around because um, if you, when we were here last time, our two daughters 
got engaged in February, and then they both, two oldest daughters, they got three daughters, two oldest got engaged in February, and both of them had weddings this summer. Five months of planning. Yes, it can be done. We did it. I just said to the youngest, she's a freshman in college now, I just said, can't you just find a husband so we can all get this all done in the one summer? <laughs> and all kidding aside. But let me show you this. I want to show you some of the pictures. So here's um, me walking my oldest. Uh, how many fathers in the room will walk to their daughter down the aisle? Just raise your hand. Um, oh, well, you're getting there. Okay. But you, how many fathers in the room who have a daughter? Raise your hand. So ahead, gentlemen, sir. Yep, you'll be doing it sometime. And you'll be crying just like I was right there. Next wedding, we'll show a picture of uh, my daughter, Erin. So Allie was the first, and she actually went to school right here, uh, not too far from here in uh, Minneapolis. She lives in the Twin Cities. She went to um, Bethel University. And then Erin, my middle one here, walking her down the aisle, she uh, went to Liberty University as a high jumper, and she married a guy. Hey, just parent warning, when your kids go to school in another state, they find the spouse there, and then they stay there. For some of us, it's a problem. Others of us, we're like, we're okay with that. But... It was just an unbelievable emotional experience and uh, just marrying the two girls off. And then I think we got another picture here. of Here's my wife, Jody, and she's walking down the aisle with this unbelievably, I mean, this, I'm like, that's just, who is, I'm like, who is this guy? Like, where did you find this handsome GQ model? Like, did you rent that person? I'm looking, I'm doing this one. I'm like, where, uh, this guy's not in our family. I think she rented a guy and brought him in. If I ever see this guy around my house in the neighborhood, if you're having coffee with him, we got a problem. Um, all joking aside, we had these weddings, and we can scroll through the rest of the pictures. And, you know, for those who've been married or are married, excuse me, in the room, to marry off your kids, to marry off your daughters, I mean, we're so thankful they met two Christian guys who love the Lord. These guys are the real deal. It's just a, it's an unbelievable thing. Their family's phenomenal. We know that Allie and Steve and Josh and, um, and, and Aaron, that we know that they're going to be what? They're going to be better together as a result of the relationship that they have. And so why? Well, we're united to get the most out of life. And so God has given us a deep desire for relationship. Now, if you're single here and you're saying to yourself, well, you know, what are you saying? You're saying I'm not going to get the most out of life if I'm single? No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is if you don't have any close relationships with other people who you are with in such a way where they pour into you and they love you and you're there for them, like we need each other to get the most out of life. Repeat after me. We need each other. It's simple. Why? Well, that's the next thing. If you're a note taker, go ahead and write this down. We are united in relationship to lift each other up. I mean, it's as simple as that. Why do we beat the drum of Christian community? Well, we need each other to lift each other up. Look with me at the text. The writer makes it so clear. He says, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But look at the warning in verse 10. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and he has not another to lift him up. Now, they're not just talking about what physically, but emotionally and spiritually that we would be there to lift each other up. Now, the truth of the matter is this. This message, although we're talking about relationships, we need relationships where we walk arm in arm. We need relationships, yes, men, we do, where we walk shoulder to shoulder. We need relationships, yes, we do, where we're back to back. 
We need relationships where we stick together through the difficult times. We need relationships in which we can lift each other up, lifting our spirits up and our hope. We need each other. Can't do it alone. Interesting study I just read on loneliness. And so there's a study on loneliness, and it said nationwide, this was a study that was done in the United States, and it says 54% of Americans said they always feel lonely. Think about that for a moment. 54%. Like, I always, I mean, I just always feel lonely. Now, it's not maybe every second or every moment, but there's times in my day that I just feel lonely. 56%, according to this recent survey, said they always felt like people were around them, but they're not with them. So catch what they're saying. I mean, here in church, we've got a lot of people around us, but they don't understand me. That what? That you don't get what I'm about? Like, Like you don't see the things the way I see? You're not supporting me? You're not with me? I mean, 56% of people, that's what? That's half of the people in the room feel like, you know what, I don't have anybody that really gets who I am. I don't know about you, but that's really critical and that's really difficult. Loneliness is such a big deal. Two out of five people lack companionship. And so if you're sitting there with a husband or wife or a special friend that you're here with today, and uh, you guys get close in these services. I'm seeing these two in the orange. They got their arms around each other. I'm telling you, this is pretty open environment here in Rochester. It's all good. And, um, but the truth of the matter is this, that if you have a significant person that, whether it's a husband or wife or a friend or a sibling, Like, that's not the norm. Two out of five people are saying what? They're saying that not only do people don't understand me, that we lack companionship. And they say that the relationships that they have in their life are not meaningful and that they live feeling isolated. Now, I don't know about you, but as a follower of Christ, as a pastor in the Christian church, like, that's why we're here. What? Yes, to worship God, but for each other. Now, this study, what they did is they rated the different groups of people uh, to figure out where they're at in the loneliness scale. And it surprised me that um, the greatest generation, and that's anybody over 72. I don't know if there's anybody here over 72, but the, up, oh, somebody raised, yep, I know who they, yep, she put it down really fast. So that means don't identify me, please. So that 54-year-old person that thought they were 72, no, I'm kidding, but the greatest generation, and I think of, you know, our parents and like that greatest generation, they scored the lowest on the loneliness scale. Think about that for a moment. I mean, wouldn't you think if you, that they might be the highest? I mean, that they scored the lowest. Do you know who the highest was? The highest one was Generation Z, which is mid-90s to 2000. And they're the ones that what? That have the most friends? I mean, you know, it's like, appears to be. They're, I don't know, I, I got a, one of those, Snapchatting and doing this and all everything else. It's like you feel like they've got the most. But FOMO is something. You say, what's FOMO? Anybody know who FOMO, FOMO is? You know what it is? Fear of missing out. It, it's just like there's this thing. I, I feel like I'm missing out on something, on what they're doing, on what it's about. And so there's, what's driving the next generation is this loneliness. And so I'm simply here to tell you that we need each other. I love what Thomas Aquinas says. 
And he says it best, the theologian. He says, there's nothing on this more earth more to be prized than true friendship. I mean, hey, I don't know about you, but I grew up, I don't know any of my high school friends anymore. We don't really hang out. We don't really connect. I mean, there's only one or two college friends that, that I still have a relationship with. I mean, if you can walk through your life and have one or two, three people around you that get you, that understand you, that, I mean, it's to be treasure. And here in the church, that what, that we would be making the effort, takes effort, to take a step out of the crowd and to do what? And to engage in relationships with other people, whether that's through midweek or small group or, like, it's so important. There's nothing on earth more to be prized than true friendship. Do you have a true friend? Somebody who gets you and understands you. I mean, tell them this week how important they are. Take your phone out right now, text them and tell them, man, I'm just thinking about you and you're awesome. Thanks for sticking with me. Thanks for standing with me. And anybody else on their phone right now, if you're not texting your best buddy and telling them that, then put that away. But then I love this quote. We'll put it up on the screen from Ralph Waldo Emerson. This one is a little bit more my style. Little tongue in cheek. It is one of the blessings of old friends that you can afford to be stupid with them. Anybody like that one? It's like, I'd be stupid. We'd just be foolish. Hey, we can let our hair down. Hey, I can just be you, uh, myself and I don't have to worry about you judging or parsing every word that I'm going to say. I, I mean, and we're getting to a culture where that's much difficult. But it's just like, hey, you know what? We can just be stupid. We can just be funny. And maybe you're like me and, you know, watching a basketball game or a football game and those one or two college buddies that we know, man, they, we could text and pick up and laughing. Like, we need each other. We need each other. Why? To lift each other up. Humor is one of the best things. Jody and I have been married for 28 years, and I can tell you this. You want to test your relationship, your marriage relationship? Go ahead and try to write a book on marriage. <laughs> We wrote it together and we got through it. <laughs> but in all seriousness, we call it the marriage knot. Why? Well, because a knot over time, it will loosen. A knot over time, unchecked, it can do what? It can get to the point where uninspected, it can loosen or it can completely unravel. We were here a year ago talking about how our knot, we tied it and in eight months, it was over. It was completely unraveled. And so the book talks about the choices that we can make as husband and wife. I say we, because each individual needs to make the choice to tighten and strengthen the knot. And so we talk about seven choices that we need to make. And if you pick it up on the way out, um, it's probably, uh, it will help those in marriage crisis and those who just need a little tune-up. And so Jody and I share our story. That's how we came to Christ. So we came to Jesus through a Jody pursuing a divorce. And so that's how we became followers of Christ. I didn't think I was going to be a pastor. I didn't have this vision of planting a church. I didn't know that I was be used in planting other churches. But, but our marriage was falling apart. And we needed God at the center. And so this book, maybe if you know a couple that is not Christian or walked away from God, and you want to share, it's a great tool for sharing salvation with another couple. I mean, God is at the center. God is at the center of what? Relationships we need. Jody and I have learned we need each other to lift each other up emotionally and spiritually. Like we're based upon our relationship. We met each other in junior high. I was in eighth grade, the new kid. She was in seventh grade. 
We do not recommend that to anyone. Do not marry your, no, I'm kidding, but, but we have a great friendship. We didn't tell our kids that until like last year. Yeah, we met in high school and dated. But, but seriously, relationships are so critical and so important. And it's the friendship that is the most meaningful thing that you can build your relationship on. And God can do a lot with a great friendship. So repeat after me with a little more gusto. I know we're getting it there. Repeat after me with a little more gusto. You know I'm going to ask it. You know what I'm going to say. We need each other. Okay, that's doing good. Why? Well, let's just flash it up on the screen. The next reason is this. This is a benefit of Christian fellowship is we are united in relationships to provide for each other. I mean, we are to provide, we are to be generous, we are to steward ourselves in such a way where we're providing for other people. Hey man, it's not just about you, it's not about me, 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 and I'm the center of the universe. Hey, in Christian fellowship and what God desires and what this passage is teaching is that we are united to provide. Now look at verse 11 because it's an interesting picture. We can't quite get it. We live in a day and age with we have furnaces, we got space heaters. I mean, you know, you jack it up on the, in the car, uh, you, got, you can warm your seats. I mean, how many people have one of those cars where you can warm up your, hand, your steering wheel? Who's got one of those? Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, what the heck, man? I'm telling you, I want one of those. That guy up there, then he's just like, you're, it's all warm, don't even need gloves. Hey, this is written before all that. And so what's the writer saying? Well, Solomon wrote this, and he was a man that, what? He had all riches, he had all wisdom, he had all influence, he had all power. And look what he said. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? So it's a picture of provision, that that we need each other. And so it's a picture that we need protection, we need provision to provide for each other. That's why God has put us together on this earth, is that we're to help one another. So how can we help one another? That's the key question. Well, I not only need to see the need, I need to be able to meet the need. And so I'm not saying that you leave this place and that you're, as a follower of Christ, don't, you know, your compassion meter might be such in a way that you try to meet every need. You can't meet every need. But do you see the need? Are you even asking God if he's asking you to be the one to meet the need? I mean, we were in New York City this past week on this little book tour thing, and what was funny was, I mean, you know, you walk down the streets of New York City and in Central Park, like everybody, you know, there's all kinds of needs. I mean, you, it's like, am I called to meet every single need? No. But which ones are you meeting? Are you walking by every single one and justifying that it's okay? I mean, we're called to provide for each other in our relationships in our church. There's people that are going through struggles in this church that we can help each other to get through that time. And if you've been through it, you want to help somebody else. We just had uh, in our area, um, we're in the western suburbs of Chicago, so we have uh, four campuses in four cities in the western suburbs. Uh, Naperville and North Aurora is one of them. And on the national news this past week, uh, it was actually on Friday, there was a shooting in Aurora. And so this is right 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes from one of our campuses. And actually, you guys know uh, who leads that campus for us. It's Matt and uh, Shauna DeCola. If uh, you, know, you remember them, they were on staff here, great couple. And, uh, we're, we're, and, and so they're actually on staff with us. People are like looking, oh, that's what happened to them. I wondered what happened. 
they're in Chicago now. I mean, you know, um, but we're really grateful they lead that campus, and that campus is really close to where this shooting went down. So it was a manufacturing company. I mean, it hit the national news. So uh, there was an employee that got fired that day. Next thing you do, he went out in the manufacturing plant. He took a gun out and he shot five people. I mean, he killed five people. In the, and then, you know, the, the police came and, and he wound up wounding five officers. I mean, it's, it's tragic. One of the kids, probably one of the worst story that I heard, and again, the the information's coming out. We just heard this this morning, that one of the stories, um, it was, the kid was 21 years old. It was an internship. It was his first day at work. Can you imagine that? I mean, our city in Aurora there where that campus is, they're all feeling this. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So we opened up our church. uh, It was last night. And we opened up the church and had a prayer meeting for those who've been affected and for the community and, and uh, you know, I mean, national news. I mean, there was, there was 50 news people that came. And so, and, and so, you know, so thankful for the leadership at that local campus and, and praying and calling out to the Lord and honoring. And so I'm sharing this story. We just provided for what the community needed. And so as a church here in Rochester, that what? That it's not just about us meeting in this middle school. It's about what does the community need and how can we benefit and how can we leverage our gifts, our abilities, our times, our talent for the greater good of the community that we will provide for the community here. That Harvest Rochester will be known as the church that people, man, that church, those people love, they help people in times of crisis and need. They may not even get the whole Jesus piece. They may not even get the God piece. But these people love each other. That we would leverage opportunities to provide for one another. Hey, how's that happen? Well, it starts in individual lives. It starts in individual hearts. That you would be the kind of person that would see the need, meet the need. Hey, let me say it again, and I hope you'll just, I'm feeling it from this section right now. I kind of feel a little bit, you guys are going to be a little louder. I'm just putting my trust in you. I, I know you, you haven't said much yet, and I'm just putting a little trust in. But can we just, can this section just repeat after me? We need each other. We need each other. That's good stuff. This section needs you more than you think. But why? Well, let's put it up on the screen. We need each other for protection. That's why we need each other. Not only to provide, not only that we would provide for each other, but we would do this, that we would protect each other. Notice in verse 12, we've got another picture. And what I love about this passage, it just shows so many pictures of relationships. And again, it's talking specifically about relationships between friends and brothers and, you know, and sisters in the Lord. It says, and though a man might prevail against um, one who is alone, he says, who, who will do this? He says, might prevail against one who is alone, but two will withstand him. And so you see at the beginning of verse 12, it's this unbelievable picture of, is that we need each other to protect each other in times of difficulty. Man, you can't just fight this thing on your own. You can't get through that on your own. Man, there's a crisis, there's a battle. You need victory over a certain um, pattern of prolonged sin in your life. And, and you need other brothers and sisters. Can I get an amen to help and open ourselves up to, to, to confess those things? And, and if we just keep ignoring each other, and, like we need each other. 
to, to provide in times of need and protect through different sets of crisis. And man, I got your back. Yep, I got, you got anybody that's got your back? Hey man, I, I'll tell you what, I got a wife that's got my back. I got a couple kids. I mean, I introduced you to my oldest. She's got my back. There's some people that, like, like we can, how many people are from a family like this? Like, it's okay to fight, you know, between brothers and sisters and all that, and you're going all out and everything, but you try to fight against the whole, you just entered into a whole different ball game because you just, you, just, you just got them all. Anybody from a family like that? It's just like, you know, we can fight together, but don't attack us. We've got to protect each other. And so for this church, that what? That we're protecting the reputation of this church, that we're protecting what God wants, that we're thinking the best of each other in the church. I mean, that's God's heart and that's God's desire no matter what's happening outside. Man, we got to protect each other. I remember um, one uh, summer, uh, Jody and I, we love going out to California. It's one of our favorite places on the West Coast, and we're big bike riders. We love to bike ride. And so we get up early in the morning, and it's right around Monterey, that area. And if you've been to the Pacific Northwest or the coast there, you know that it's not really beaches like Florida and all that. It's more, you know, it's just rocky, and it's, it's, you know, the waves are treacherous, and it's just a really cool place, pictures and all that. And so, you know, it was early in the morning and, and, and we got off our bikes and, and so we're off at the beach and one of the cool things, you know, there's nobody there, it's just us and there's all these rocks and so we're climbing on these rocks and, and so next thing you know, I, I wound up, um, I don't know what it was, I just got this sense, I could see it kind of rolling in and again, we're not from the area, I don't know it that well and, and, and I just got the sense that, man, this is, something's dangerous. Have you ever hit, kind of got that, you know, that six, like something is wrong. And so I just yelled at Jody. She was at rock, on a rock over here, you know, victory. She got to the farthest place. I'm a loser. And I'm just kidding, but she's really competitive. And so am I. <laughs> and and so, so, so she's out there, and I just, I just looked at her and I said, run. And she's like, you know, and so we, we both turn, and we just run towards, you know, the solid ground. And next thing you know, and what was interesting that day, there was 30-foot waves, I kid you not. And, and there was a wave that came in, and it just engulfed that area. And of the rocks that we were all standing on, they were, they were gone. So we laugh at each other, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. And, and we get on our bikes, and we start heading up uh, north uh, to a place called um, Lover's Point. You say, why were you going to Lover's Point? Why wouldn't you be husbands with your wives? I'm just telling you, you know. So I'm gonna, you know, we had been there before. We're gonna take some pictures, and so we get there, and the the there was a big crowd with police, and there was tape, and they were holding the crowds back, and we're like, what what's going on? And so we're looking out. It, it's this jagged edge with these rocks, and people are normally taking pictures there, and and all of a sudden there was a local guy next to me. I could tell just you know, and I said, what's going on? And he said, well, see that guy right there, and there was a guy in the water, and he said those boats. The rescue boat can't get to them. Why? Because the waves and they have to pick the right time or it's going to crash into the, to, to the rocks, hurt him. They, they just so, so they're waiting. So I don't know how many minutes went by, but finally they chose the right time and the boat goes in, scoops the guy out. They come out and the whole crowd's like, yeah. And then I look at this guy and next to me, I'm like, and he's not cheering. He's sitting there. And I said, well, what, what's going on? How come you're not cheering? And he goes, well, I saw the woman that went over in the water there, and she hasn't come up for about five minutes. And then, you know, your heart just sinks. 
And, and I remember like it was, I mean, I, I, I could still hear this scream. The boat gets over to where he pointed and they pull this lifeless body out of the water. And I could hear the scream of this guy. I mean, it was deafening. Here we find out that later that this couple was actually out taking pictures on the rocks. They were on their honeymoon. And so they were just taking pictures. And the guy next to me just said, he goes, you people, they don't understand the power of the ocean. And, and so they were just, you know, like Jody and I, just taking pictures out on the rocks. And next thing you know, I mean, they were just sucked. It, it was gone. Jody grabbed my hand and she's just like, man, that, that could have been us. Like there's just something, there's something about being aware and the protection that we give and that we help each other and that when we see something wrong, that we warn each other and we take advantages of the opportunities. Man, we're in it together. And, and we need each other. We desperately need each other in Christian fellowship and relationship. We need each other. Why? Well, because there's falls. And maybe you've had a fall, or if I could say it like this, if you haven't, you will have a fall, and we all need each other to lift each other up. So let me go ahead and quickly give you some of the relational falls that I've seen in the past 18 years of being a senior pastor. Frequent falls, I call them. The first one is this, there's the physical fall. And you can identify with that. It's like, hey, I tore my ACL. It's like, you know, I got a sprained ankle. And it's like, I got to get a hobble around. There's physical falls. And maybe you, you know, in our situation, you got the, uh, the call back from the doctor. And it's just like, you know, this is physically, this, this is unbelievable. What's happened? There's physical falls where we need to come alongside each other. Second kind of fall is this, the financial fall. And this is the one I can remember a couple when we first started our church. And they were from Michigan. And they had the boat. They had the house, you know, the lake house. They had everything. And then he was an architect and he had this company and partnership and then they got sued and then it all came crashing down. They were suing him. He lost everything. Financial fall. Third kind of fall. There's what I call the relational fall. So what's the relational fall? Well, we're in relationship and something's happening with someone else. Maybe you're like me, you got a call this Christmas from a sibling and the bottom is dropping out in a few relationships in your family. Like there's relational falls. Next kind of fall is what? It's the moral fall. And we know this one. You know, it's like, hey, my life isn't really matching up to God's word. And I mean, in some ways, none of us, I mean, we're not perfect, yep, yeah, but we're in progress, and the Bible talks about progressive sanctification, that we would be making decisions to be more and more like him, and I wouldn't be the same, I'm not the same this year as I was last year, there's certain areas, hey, God doesn't free us from everything at once when you become follower of Christ, do you get that? I wish he did. There's some things that what, that I wish he'd, you know, you look at, you know, you're looking at your spouse or your kids, man, I wish he'd start working on that. And then we forget, though, that what? We forget how long it took God to, to wean you off of some things and to deliver you and rescue you from some sinful behavior. There's moral falls. It's not an excuse to sin. I mean, I've got friends, one specifically, that what? That there's been a moral fall, a lapse of a period of time where this unrepentant, prolonged sin, it's just, it, 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 the punishment's coming, and None of us are immune to that. And so as we look at what's happening to someone else, 
And we say to ourselves, well, God, God what, what do you need to work on in me? And God, I need a fresh start. Like, like we need each other because there's moral falls. If you know what I'm talking about, just give me a nod. There's moral falls. And it doesn't just hurt you. It hurts all the people around you. And most importantly, as David prays, it hurts God the most. Falls. Next one is number five, the emotional fall. Hey, man, I'm just an emotional basket case. You don't know what happened. I'm telling you this and that and this. And, and just emotionally speaking, we're fragile. We're fragile because of some things that have happened in our past and our background. And as you look at people and you're the strong one and you're just like, well, come on, get over it. What, come on. Like there's just things that have happened that have created an atmosphere where emotionally that just fragile. Two more falls. Sixth one is this. There's the spiritual fall. And so that's the person that what? That, hey, they were following after God or, you know, they, they had a relationship with him or maybe they were in church and, man, whatever happened to that person? He used to hand out bulletins at the 830 service. Well, what happened to that guy? Hey, what happened to that girl, man? Do you remember she led that small group, that single adult? What, what happened to her? Bailed on church? I mean, we all know people like this. There's spiritual fall. Seventh thing, there's what I call the repeated fall. And again, just talking candidly about relationships, what do I mean by that? Well, it's just like, you know, there's a hole and, you know, it's just like, here I go. It's day, first day of Monday, I come and I fall in that hole. I'm not taking that place again. I'm not going to do that. Tuesday comes and you're, I'm in the bottom again. Hey, weren't you there Monday and Tuesday? Hey, where are you going to go Wednesday? Are you going to walk around that or, nope, I'm kind of got stuck in there again. And so we all know what I'm talking about. There's just repeated falls and failures that, like, like, why am I talking about this? You can't get victory over any of these things on your own. You need the Lord and you need each other. And so maybe you're new to this church and maybe you're thinking to yourself, hey, this is a great thing. And can I just suggest to you that Sunday worship service and Pastor Brent, he's in here, he does a great job leading. Steve's opened up the word. Can I suggest that the weekend thing isn't the best thing of this church? No, what, what's the best thing? That, that when people get together in little community groups or small groups or, and, 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 and learn and grow and get together and you go from what? You go from, we like to say it like this in our church, you go from the, the, the row to the circle. And so you get yourself in a group of people where they get to know you and, they, and, and you can help each other and grow together in community. Like that's the best thing. And so we, application of the message, these falls are going to happen. Are we helping everyone, each other, to get through these things? Hey, let me remind you. I'll make you say it one more time. Repeat after me. Everybody now in the house, we need each other. We do. Well, why do we need each other? Well, I promised you at the front end there was a little answer. It's like the special sauce. It's the secret ingredient. Take a look at the end of verse 12. Do you see it? Do you see it? I mean, it's right there because what he's talking about, he's talking about two individual relationships. And, and so you're kind of reading along and you're like, uh, imagine one chord and another chord and, and these two best of friends. And, and so I've got two individual chords together. And so I'm wrapping together and yeah, we're tying the knot. Hey, marriage knot, that's great. Yeah, great picture. And then all of a sudden, but a threefold chord cannot be easily broken. And so you're like, well, what's the third? So I, I think you know the answer. We've hinted at it. It's God himself. And so he is the special sauce. He is the secret ingredient to what? To, to us coming together. 
And that, that God is the one that holds all things together. He can give us what? The victory. He can give us the peace. He can give us the things that we need to move forward. He's the one that preserves all things, that heals all things, that grants me, hey, I'm able to love greater. I'm able to forgive more because I've been forgiven, because my capacity to love on my own, my capacity to forgive on my own is, is limited by my own human nature and myself. But God in the picture does what? He expands that opportunity. So lastly, we're united to do what? In relationship to glorify God. That we would want to give him the glory, that we would want to have him be the one that holds all things together. That's why we need each other. So I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads with me right now. And I thank you for your attention and the opportunity to speak to your heart. But if my words could be done and you could just hear from God, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and you're thinking about the relationships in your own life, is there a need for a relational breakthrough? Maybe it's healing in a relationship, restoration. Maybe it's a burden or a struggle or a trial with a family member or friend. Maybe it's even somebody in this room that, that you know what, the truth is, is you're going to see them when you walk out and you're going to kind of lock eyes to each other and, and you know there's something there and you just haven't gotten to it. But are you in need of relational breakthrough? Because all of us are. And so maybe you're sitting here thinking, you know, he's talking about the, you know, having relationships where people lift each other up and protect and protect. Like, I'm just not experiencing that. Like if that's you and you need your own individual personal relational breakthrough with people that, that you would be more trusting and more loving and more, more willing, Maybe you need a relational breakthrough. If that's you, I would just like to pray for you now. And I'd like to remind all of us that what we need to do is center ourselves in such a way. I've been walking around the bullseye in the entire message. It starts with your relationship with God, that you would set your mind and your heart upon him. And he would give the one to give the words. He would be the one to restore the joy. He would be the one to restore the love to give you a greater dose of compassion or forgiveness as the root of bitterness is growing inside your heart. And then, so God, I just pray. I pray for each and every person. I, I thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. And I pray for your word to take hold. I pray, Lord, that you would have your way in our hearts. I pray that even now as we begin to sing and as we in a moment are gonna be able to stand and declare the truth that, Lord, you would set our minds and our hearts on you. Lord, trusting that, knowing that we place our trust in you so that we have a greater capacity to love. And Father, maybe there's a decision that needs to be made with the relationship. Maybe someone here needs to even step away because it's been an unhealthy situation. I pray for your peace in that. I pray for your grace. I pray that you would speak to the heart of that person, that you would surround them with others who could help. Father, you want the best for each of us, and we need each other. May we draw near to you, understanding the promise that you will draw near to us. And may you help us to be the people, the men and women of God, that you desire us to be as we set our hearts on you. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen.